Welcome to Section 27 podcast series on the National Health Insurance, a plan meant to ensure that all South Africans have access to comprehensive health care. For NHI to work, money is needed on a grand scale. And to discuss this is Daniel McLaren, Budget Analyst at Section 27. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Can you just explain how that collecting health data you know, will help the system become more efficient and to the benefit of the of the users? Absolutely. So one of the goals of NHI is to have a, a universal standardized information architecture for healthcare in the country. And hopefully the idea of sharing resources means that that's somewhere where the private sector can play a role where it has developed health data and health infrastructure and systems. But we need a new system which everybody is enrolled in. If the government has accurate information about the demographics, the age, the disease profile, um, the trends um, which are happening in, in healthcare, then it can make decisions about what to prioritise much more effectively. So we've seen in the past week, um, South Africa is now has the highest rate of adult diabetes on the African continent. I think 13% of adults now affected by diabetes. And this is a long-term trend, and if you actually are recording information on people's GP visits, why they're visiting, what is happening with people's blood tests, all of that information. It really helps you to design much more cost-effective and just generally more effective interventions to deal with public health concerns instead of just kind of letting them spiral out of control, which has been the case um, so far. There's a whole range of ways in which NHL will actually save a lot of money. And the existing system has all these different bureaucracies, nine different provincial departments managing essentially nine different public health systems. It has a massive focus on secondary and tertiary care, which means getting care in hospitals, getting care from specialists, getting care from doctors, and a very underdeveloped primary healthcare system. Um, and yet uh, most other countries, and certainly countries which have a universal healthcare system, the vast majority of um, interactions with the system is at the primary level. And the primary level is much more cost effective. You're seeing a nurse, you're seeing a local GP, you're, seeing, you're going to your local clinic. The number of basic procedures which are done at the clinic level in South Africa is extremely low compared to other countries. And um, they're done in hospitals, even wisdom teeth and things like that, often done in hospitals. Um, and that's much, much more expensive. So by this huge component of NHI, which is having a much um, more accessible, high quality primary healthcare system, should actually reduce a lot of costs. So basically, which means that um, if I, I can get my tooth extracted at my local clinic, then the queue at the provincial hospital will, won't be that long. Exactly. It won't be kind of wasting those resources on minor procedures. They'll be able to focus on the more complicated procedures, which is what a hospital is designed for. So now here's another um, you know, concern uh, that you know, budgeting people like you um, have raised, that spending on health care for uninsured people increased by 1% on average between 2015 and 2016, as well as in the current budget. What does that tell us? It tells us that the, the, the government's bank account is not looking good. The amount of, of money that in the budget that's being spent on debt is going up and the amount of money that's being spent on social services, comparatively speaking, is being reduced. Um, and this is putting a lot of pressure on healthcare, but also education. 
other major areas of spending. So it tells us that we are in a difficult budgetary environment um, and the resources are limited. And we know as Section 27 that this is having really catastrophic impacts on the ground at facilities and hospitals because what's happening is the overall budget for health is being increased just about in line with inflation. So um, the argument goes, you know, we're just about increasing spending. The problem is in healthcare is that health price inflation, and anyone who has a medical aid knows that the health sector is experiencing a much higher level of price inflation than the average. Um, the second thing is that wages for medical professionals are also increasing above the average. So we've got a health budget which is increasing just in line with kind of inflation and population growth, but the costs in the sector are going up much higher than that. And so this is really stretching budgets and we're seeing cutbacks in spending on equipment, on infrastructure, we're seeing late payments to service providers. And of course, all these things trickle down into the economy and they don't help us to have an economy that's growing. So we do need, I think, to change the way that we think about health. There's a whole bigger economic conversation that is also happening in the country, which is a good thing about how do we get the economy growing and how do we have a more equitable and inclusive economy. But in healthcare, I really think we need to start changing this narrative from the idea that um, we have something which is unaffordable to the idea that we have something which is actually probably one of the best investments that we can make in our future. Alongside education, every rand that you spend on health has huge multipliers for productivity, um, for welfare, um, for people's ability to you know, realise their potential. And if you want your economy to do what people need to be realising their potential. Um, and you know, when you build health infrastructure, all of that trickles into the economy and has spillover effects in the economy. So I think we need to start looking at NHI, as I said earlier, both as a system of sharing resources more efficiently and effectively, but also and investing in, um, you know, this is exactly the kind of project that we want to invest in to deliver the kind of socioeconomic transformation, which, um, you know, in some senses just become rhetoric. But this is an area where if we make these investments, if we can do this right, um, which requires investment at the ground, from the ground up, then we'll actually be investing in structurally changing how our economy works, making it more efficient and making it much um, more equitable. The health budget is projected to grow by, so that's the total public health budget for the country, and um, by 7% in nominal terms. What that means is um, if you take inflation, it's about 5%, and if you take population growth, it's about 1.5%. On top of those, there's about 0.5, so half a percent. What that means um, is when you take into account this quite um, high medical price inflation, so the medical, the health sector itself has quite high inflation, and when you take the, the rising wages, which are also above inflation, it's actually the budget increase of about 7% a year. It translates to just about enough to maintain the existing budgets of the health departments. It's not enough to make the investments which are needed to buy more equipment, to hire more staff. Um, you know, we've got about 40,000 vacancies in the public health sector. It doesn't provide the additional funds. Um, so we don't see how this budget allocation is going to allow the public health sector to make the necessary investments to build itself up for the future. Um, 
And then in terms of NHI, there's a separate allocation in the budget specifically for NHI. It's called the NHI um, Indirect Grant. And this is for a lot of NHI-specific interventions. Um, so, for example, building the IT systems for NHI, um, doing some of the recruitment for NHI, setting up the NHI office, the NHI fund, the um, different units around the country which you can operate as contracting units within this NHI kind of system. Um, that has an annual budget allocation of um, increasing to 3 billion rand a year. But um, again, that's not expected to increase over the next three years. And it's good that that money is there to set up these different components of NHI, but it's not the kind of investment which is going to really uh, enable us to make significant progress. So going back to the question of the what additional money needs to be raised for NHI, I mean, the estimates range quite markedly. And the reason they range is because it's impossible to know what NHI is actually going to cost. It's impossible to know 10 years from now what the NHI fund would have negotiated as prices for medicines, as prices for uh, medical services, and because they should be able to negotiate much, much lower prices. It's impossible to know uh, if we'll be able to root out the um, irregular expenditure, corruption, the tenders for friends that kind of system which exists in a lot of health procurement. Um, if we can get rid of that, that's also going to be a huge enabler for NHI. If we don't, it's going to be a huge burden on NHI. So there's a lot of different factors that we just don't know. We don't know, for example, if you know the sort of anywhere between 10 and 50,000 rand that families spend on medical insurance per year, depending on your plan. Once those medical schemes fade away, will the tax increases that we have really just balance that out? So, you know, families will no longer be spending, say, 50,000 rand a year on their medical scheme contributions, but they'll be paying the equivalent in, in tax. Is that how it's going to work? There's lots of questions like that, which mean that it's hard to actually predict what the final answer to these questions will be. So, you know, we can put out figures like, the Treasury has costed 15 different NHI-related interventions at a cost of about 35 billion rand per year. Um, but it only envisages that money coming on board from, I think, 2024. You know, if we make those investments earlier, what does that mean? It's very difficult to say. So is there something um, that you think is uh, positive about the bill as it stands? Yeah, I think the bill um, makes all the right noises in terms of um, setting up a, a health system which is no longer, you know, you, you commodified. So you can't, you won't be able to, um, the wealthy you are, buy better healthcare. It recognises health as a human right that everyone is entitled to. And it recognises that, um, you know, a well-functioning health system has to be funded on the basis of social solidarity is a very simple principle that means that if you're healthy you're subsidizing the sick if you're wealthy you're subsidizing the poor and when you're young and fit you're subsidizing the older and weaker um, and that's the opposite of what we have at the moment you know we have a system which is very much the wealthier you are the better healthcare you can provide that's the fundamental determinant of your health is how much money you have in your pocket so i think it's um as i said earlier it's the kind of big reform project which if done well, if sequenced well, if we can get all our best policy brains behind this kind of initiative, 
it can be something which actually transforms and can unite the country. Um, the flip side is also true. If it's not sequenced, phased, thought through, planned, if people, most importantly, are not brought on board, so if there's not enough transparency about the plans, if there's not enough debate, conversation, if unfortunately Treasury continues to hide some of its financing papers and projections and models and it doesn't actually show the public, here is what we think it will cost, then there will be suspicion, there will be doubt. Um, and of course, if there isn't real movement in places like the Commission of Inquiry into State cap Capture, if there isn't real accountability that we see for um, you know, orders of general findings against officials and this kind of quagmire of state capture that we've seen, then of course that's the same thing. People are not going to believe that this is possible, that it can happen. But if we can um, make this more transparent, make this a more inclusive debate, and if we can do it properly, it has the potential to lift all boats. Um, and I think that's, the, that's what we would like to see, um, you know, a government which is open and listening to feedback and which is trying to bring um, all the different interest groups um, in this uh, sector together to build something which is more positive than the current very unsustainable status quo. Daniel McLaren, Budget Analyst for Section 27, thank you very much. Thank you.